welcome to the Explorate Podcast. And welcome back to the Explominate podcast. I'm your host, Battle Mode, and this week I've got Drexy. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going pretty good, Drexy. I'm, I'm excited about tonight's podcast. Um, we've also got Daz Tactic. Welcome, guys. And uh, yeah, th- uh, thanks for having me on again. I love, love being on these. You started to become a permanent feature of the podcast, aren't you, Daz? Yeah, I just realised I just welcomed you, and I, that's, I'm not even the host. <laughs> <laughs> and m- most exciting of all, no offence to you other guys, but uh, we've got Vic from VR Designs. Hi, everybody. Nice to be back. It's nice to have you, Vic. How have you been? Uh, busy. I'm almost having a family extension in the sense of having an extra, an extra daughter. And I'm moving house at the same time and still trying to work on multiple games at the same time. But otherwise, quite good. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations, Vic. It's, uh, that's great news. Yeah, congratulations, man. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully still a few days to go. So we're going we're gonna to talk about Shadow Empire. This is a favorite topic amongst the three of us, like well, the four of us, I guess, at the moment. And, you know, Shadow Empire has been one of my favorite games ever since I first played it. I, I haven't played it a whole lot in the last sort of six months or so because I've just had loads of other stuff going on. But I have been keeping my eye very, very closely on the patch notes with and, and religiously installing each beta update on the Matrix version. And every time there's a new version, I, I play it just for like an, half an hour, an hour, just to try to get my head around some of the new stuff. But to say that the game has changed, you know, quite dramatically in the last year is an understatement, I think. What, um, what do you think, Daz? You've, you've been playing it more thoroughly than me. Would you say that Shadow Empire has dr- dramatically changed? Uh, yes, in many, many different ways too. Like the, um, the I think that the, the biggest change when you're actually playing it is the AI has uh, is so much more difficult to uh, to compete against now. I mean, it was always always a bit of a hard game, but the um, the AI now seems to really think things through, which uh, is really amazing to sort of play. I'm, I'm, like you get smashed by the AI if you don't do you know if you sort of uh, if you're not careful. Also, the new colossal worlds. I'm really excited about where that's going to head as well. Yeah, so I I started playing a game over the weekend so that I could catch up with, you know, some of the new stuff that's been added. And there's been a whole bunch of new features. But the big thing that hit me right within the first few turns of the game is just how much more difficult it is. Now, I used to play... I used to play Shadow Empire on the highest difficulty setting. Difficulty setting. I forget what it's called now, but the, 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 the most difficult setting. And I found that on certain map types, it was incredibly challenging. On others, I was still winning fairly comfortably. But boy, I was playing on just regular or normal or whatever it is. And the miners wrecked me. <laughs> I got completely blindsided. So the AI is so different now. Yeah, for me, there's uh, things like the new blueprint feature is really great. I love that. <laughs> it's just, I'll, I'll say I'm quite a new player. I've probably been playing hmm, maybe a year at the most so i i finally got converted by ben (laughs) so that blueprint feature uh was wonderful um new portraits as well actually even though it doesn't really affect the gameplay it just i I don't know it just feels uh, a lot more better 
And also, they're Vic seems to be experimenting with the logistics, and I want to quiz him on that later on in the podcast. Actually, one other little thing, or not even just a little thing, actually, but uh, also the different uh, uh, types of of um, inhabitants on the world as well, I think, is just all these little things that are fleshing out the game, uh, really making it really, really interesting to actually play. I mean, we're sort of talking about how much more difficult it is to play, and I guess we don't want to scare people away from this incredible game. It's It's not a... It's, it's just that the AI is playing more like a human, I guess. Like they're sort of building uh, units which actually make sense, whereas, you know, back in the early days, uh, you know, often there'd be a, a glut of, of a different type of unit that would sort of come into it. But, yeah, the, the blueprint mode as well, the portraits, even the portraits for the new different types of mutants and things that are coming, it's just an, it's just an incredible addition. Uh, the game just gets better and better and better. Well, thank you. Yeah, also I want to say on the difficulty, actually, um Vic has done a really good job of actually uh, the the creation of the planets and the options you have. It doesn't have to be super difficult if you just scale things back. Uh, I think a lot of games could actually learn from this because it gives you just just it's, there's so many different planet types, the size of the planets, uh, the difficulty settings. There's just so much you can do to tailor the game to play how. You want if you want a chill game, it's, that's possible. If you want a really crazy frantic game, that's also possible. It's just you've got so so many options of how you can set up your game and also regenerate the map to sort of fit to how you want it. So yeah, I, whilst yeah, the there's been a lot of uh, crazy stuff going with the AI, it doesn't have to be super hard the way Daz plays it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so I was I was thrilled with that feature because I've been playing for quite a long time and I felt that I'd really been getting on top of it. But it, Vic, I'm going to ask you a question, right? It strikes me that a lot of the changes that you were making in the game with regards to more nuanced economy, you know, things like making water a little bit more difficult to get hold of, but yet still giving the players kind of more tools within which to you know, to kind of play with the economy and, and get their early game economy going. It all felt to me a little bit like these these features weren't you you weren't just adding them for flavor they felt like a natural organic way of increasing the difficulty for people who wanted it to be more difficult is is that a fair assessment of what you were trying to do with uh, with the new features uh, i think partly for one part it's just there's been stuff like for example with the water with the salinity levels uh and the ph levels and stuff i, I just also liked to to flesh out the planets a little bit more i really loved the the, the planet generation part of the of, of my engine and if i can improve upon it if i can find the time to do it i like to do it and it's true at the same time i wanted some planet types to be like much harder because i remember at the beginning when i started with shadow empire i think i just had like something like the ses class like the, the june like planet and over time you know the other ones were added during development and even after and especially with Oceania, where you have like really lush planets with plenty of rainfall and often uh, good conditions for agriculture. And I felt like, you know, the, 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 the original planets should actually be much harder than, than those planets And on one hand. And on the other hand, uh, it got a bit boring for some players as well. It was always easy on planets with oceans. So that's why I added these, these systems, for example, for water to actually make... Uh, on the one hand, like the really hard planets, even harder, 
and have some variety on the good planets where sometimes, yeah, there's a big ocean, but you know, the water quality is really low. So it's not going to be as easy as you thought it was to get that water. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I kind of guess that that was the idea, part of the idea with what you were doing, because I, I, I often see, you know, kind of people talking about Shadow Empire in the various, you know, various areas of the Shadow Empire community, like on Discord or whether it was on the Matrix forums and often, or in the comments on my videos, and often you'd see people saying, oh, you know, this or that is kind of overpowered, like tanks are too strong or this is too strong. And the first question I always say when, when I hear about balance complaints is, what map, you know, what planet type are you playing on? And invariably, you'd find that they were always either playing on just Siwa or on, you know, like just kind of one type of planet. And, you know, so when you kind of get people to play those other planet types, they're coming back and going, oh, yeah, I see what you mean now. I increased the mountains to 20% and now tanks suck. <laughs> so I, I think it's just a sign of a really versatile game where, you know, you put in these so many different options for planet generation that the game dramatically changes. I mean, it's still the same fundamental core game mechanics but you know a game on like a seth planet with like 25 percent mountains is going to play very very differently to a sewer class planet where you've got tons of you know you've got loads of infrastructure or previous infrastructure with the ruins and that kind of thing so yeah i i, I think it's endlessly replayable in that respect because the game just changes so much depending on the planet generation. right and it, it, it is possible to get to roll really hard planets you know at the moment if you would have a desert planet with like uh, almost no no water deposits on the ground and uh, like trace water in the atmosphere you would actually have to use the wind traps and stuff uh, uh, everything has been really balanced in- including the wind traps by the way so yeah i'm quite happy uh, it was a, a really a, a huge list of changes that came with with that patch uh, we are referring to right now and it went relatively smoothly I think there's still a few things I would like to give a second look, uh, notably ammunitions, because I, I, I feel there's been some criticism that there's been uh, straining the logistics system too much. And I think I already reduced the weight of ammunitions when they're transferred uh, with strategic transfers. But I think I, I, I should still spend some time on, on that to see if, if I can fine-tune that a little bit more. Uh, it did what I wanted it to do. It's... Basically, what I wanted it to do, I think the easiest metaphor would be like, I guess, Ukraine, where it, it's nice to have a lot of equipment, but you need to have the ammunition to keep using it if you are in a protected, a protracted war. And it did that very well. And it actually makes people now, you know, gives incentive to, to build more infantry, for example, instead of just... Uh, the most powerful guns and artillery and tanks because you will need to support them if you keep using them over a protected period of time. If somebody can pronounce that last word for me properly, that would be nice. Yeah, so and uh, with the uh, with the pl- different planet types and things like that, that you've put in there, Vic, with the new colossal class of planets, is that really designed to make the Oceania sort of uh, much more spread out, or is it? Um, was there any sort of thought process? Be- what's the thought process behind having such massive planets? Because that's going to um, it's going to be fun. Like I love the logistics in the system, so that sort of planet's going to be great for trying to extend your logistics. But I also had a lot of fun actually playing where it was like Oceania worlds, where you had just tiny little islands spread across this massive, massive uh, planet. Is there, what's your thought process behind the colossal planets? Well, it's not a huge thought process. It's actually quite small. I thought, like, yeah, why, why don't I open it up the larger planets? I mean, I, I didn't before because 
but like I really don't advise to play them uh, because they're they're just too big basically to for me to have fun on. I mean, it's just it becomes a huge undertaking to play and conquer a planet that size. But I thought like, well, maybe there's some people who will who, who back to differ and have a different you know game style that they prefer. And I thought I also want to see, you know, just I, I liked, you know, the, the planet generation uh, algorithm is actually capable to generate a bigger planet. And it, it, maybe for myself, it was just to see the, the bigger maps. I, I think they're quite pretty and, and interesting because they're so big. There's a lot of detail in them. Um, but there's not a huge thought process behind it. It's just basically an experiment. I'm not 100% sure they're actually like really playable. I mean, there shouldn't be any bugs or anything, but I mean, I put a warning label on them. Uh, the warning label says slow, which basically means this game will last like a really long time. And the AI will need more time to think because the map is bigger and there will be more units, etc. That's basically it. Like maybe I was wrong because just because I don't want to undertake such a huge world doesn't mean uh, everybody else doesn't want it either. I love having the option. Actually, I think it's it's, it's a. It's such, I really like having it there. Uh, even though you may not play it much, it's just nice to have it. As you say, it sort of uh, it fleshes out the whole thought process behind the planet. So. I think it's a very, very welcome addition. Yeah, and it will also allow me, you know, in time to experiment with a bit more rules, maybe for high-gravity planets, because it was very hard to generate a high-gravity planet before because they were all sort of like slightly smaller or at, at best Earth-sized. And, and with these Colossus-class planets, you can get really like gravities like up to four or five, but which is still sort of livable, especially if, you know, it has been multiple generations who have been having children there. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility to live on a 4G world for a human. And I thought, like, if at least I get, like, the, 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 the sandbox set up, and then we can see if I can get some extra rules in place for what that would mean for combat, for the economy, etc., so it's basically just uh, I'm doing this a lot lately. I'm 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 going one step at a time. So I expand a little bit, and then I can expand on what I just added, and and so we go step by step forward. And if, if anything goes wrong, if there's feedback, you know, that shows problems, I can sort of deaccelerate and and fix that stuff first. So I'm always impressed because you you have this kind of attitude about the game where. As long as it's fun for you to be kind of developing and making, you're going to be keeping doing it, right? That's, you know, obviously it's got to be financially viable and people want to play it. But so to hear you say, you know, oh, well, you know, I kind of just wanted to make a big planet and just see see how it works. It's really, really cool. And also, you know, the, the kind of design idea, I mean, I guess as a developer, there's really nothing for, to stop you from slapping a, a history lesson on the existing planet saying, this is going to have like four times gravity. And, but you don't do that. You kind of, you, you're, you're setting yourself some kind of rules there. You know, you're like, okay, I'm not going to make these really high gravity planets because that's not how the game generates them. Um, so if I want a high gravity planet, it's got to be really big. So I, I think that's, it's, that is really cool. And just quickly as well, um, just from speaking to the community for years, there is always a few people who want to play the biggest maps and they will try <laughs> like that that game that i played on youtube that uh, i did actually finish the uh, the the one on the seth planet that one that was like 60 i think i counted 60 or 70 hours of gameplay of recorded gameplay so i'm going to add another 15 20 hours on top of that because there was a lot of time spent off camera so that was a long long game and that was just on one of the you know your old large maps and 
it, it had the survival stress history lessons. So there were many, many, um, nation, many, many majors in the game. It was incredibly good fun. And I finished it as well. But I, I can't imagine playing that big, big map. I want to. I like, I really want to. But I'm also trying to minimize the amount of series that I start that I don't finish. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't pick that one for a, for a stream. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if I can just bounce in, I do have another question, actually, because I've, I've, I get asked a lot when I, whenever I live stream the game, there's a, a few things that do come up. And with Planet Generation, a lot of people actually say, will you ever add in a situation where you've got sliders, where you can actually pre-designate like the, the mountains, the water, uh, the different other parameters uh, where you actually where you can come in and rather than actually having it randomly generate in the different areas, will you will you ever sort of open it up so that you allow the the player to be able to preset these the settings for the planets? I don't know. It's it's not on my immediate agenda for this year. The thing is, it's quite complicated to actually do that. You know, maybe at some point I will see the light. You know, there was another request that came from you as well, like you know, like the ability to rename leaders. And I've resisted that one for like years for i guess for aesthetic reasons uh, and i think you know aesthetic reasons is sort of the same thing why i'm a bit reluctant to to add these sliders i i, I really like the the part where you roll you roll a planet as if you're rolling a, a character in a role-playing game and you know if you roll a character in a role-playing game in most role-playing systems that i have uh, used to play you, you cannot say in advance and i want this character to be like like really strong or blah 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 it's sort of the the rolling is should be sort of part of the fun however i do note that not everybody is having fun rolling planets when they're looking for something very specific because it becomes really tedious and once you did the correct roll you're clicking so fast that you click it away and then you have to continue and etc so i do hear you but um it's, it's not planned now yeah, for, for me, I, I don't mind the rolling. I just it's just with the different questions that people do ask. That's a very very common one that does come up uh, from from viewers. Yeah, I'm I'm on Team Vic there. I, I think that the game it differs from other space for from other forex games in that it has this unique planet generation system. So I wouldn't, you know, I, while I think it would be nice for people who want that, I probably wouldn't use it so much unless I was. I guess trying to get a very specific gameplay style, but I mean, you can the reroll system's pretty good, right? So, like, if I want to plan it with twenty-five or thirty percent mountains, which I've started liking playing on actually because I love the Air Force stuff and infantry, uh, I can do that usually within a couple of rerolls. So, uh, you know, especially if I once you've got a bit of experience with how the planet generator works and what kind of what you need to be getting with you know in order to get the results that you want it doesn't usually take that long so i think that you know I, i'm i'm on team vic there i think it's nice to have the randomized thing so yeah the thing is it's not only aesthetic it's just like the whole way the thing is set up that, that there's multiple steps and for example if there are forests at all it depends on a lot of other variables that are that are sort of determined in earlier stages and, and in order to ensure things you know it, it sort of goes against the grain of the of the, of the generation algorithm, which goes to a whole chain of different steps. Probably, if I would have to do it, I would maybe probably just circumvert the whole the whole thing and do it the other way around. But that would be a lot of work. So that that's that's the other reason why I'm not doing it. If it would just be a question of uh, a UI question where I could add some sliders, I would probably have done it. Fig, just quickly, when you add something like one of the one of the history classes like you know spread out or something does that take you a significant amount of work then to tweak the planet generation algorithm to do that 
I guess it depends, but maybe I should add some others because it's relatively easy to do. See, that might be one way of doing it. I think if you have more history classes that kind of nudge the planet generation in a certain way, that might be a way that's kind of still fitting with your randomized, you know, with the, with the way that the algorithm works and, you know, this kind of cool, you, you roll what you get kind of thing without, but still pleasing people who want to kind of have, you know, more rivers or whatever it is that they're hoping to get on the planet. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's, with some, like the, the ecosystem, it's just, it's complicated because I would have to really do a lot of pushing just, for example, for forest, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I think I could do some brute force stuff, like, you know, if, 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 if the type of trees that, that evolved on the planet in, you know, the first part of the algorithm actually, you know, they don't grow everywhere because there's only a limited habitation zone where the temperature is correct. Maybe I could, you know, add some, if it's a special history class is flagged, I add a special gene to these plants, which makes them like super resistant to weird temperatures and force, you know, to be to have more percentage of forest on the planet or stuff like that. But it's it's just considering all the other requests and, and, and stuff I still have on my own wish list, it's it's just not very high on my on my priority list. It can I ask you just a quick question? If you could either like go back to when you first made Shadow Empire or possibly your Shadow Empire 2, what sort of feature or uh, would you have in the game that you that's in now that you hope you wish you started with? I, I got a I got a really bad memory to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no ways. <laughs> no, I don't remember. You mean like that at the moment, like during development like more recently or i felt like oh my god if i only had that done yeah. from the beginning there's not no feature off the top of your head you could think oh well, i wish some, i did this you know, there, the start. there's some stuff i would I, I would have designed differently you know if i would start from zero again for sure a lot of stuff basically i think one of the the, the but it's, that's not in there that's it's, it's all stuff that's not in the game uh right now but if I would restart from zero, I would probably put it in. Stuff like that exists, yeah. But there's nothing where, not, really not not much where I felt like, maybe the logistic system, you know, in, in retrospect, retrospect, I would say like, I, I could have made that one a bit more more smooth. Maybe I should have picked a different system that was a bit easier on, on, on less hardcore players. Yeah, can I actually ask you about that? Because this is this was one of the uh, things I really struggled with uh, when I first started playing was the logistics system. I've got a lot better at it now. but And I've noticed you've sort of added a few different types of logistics systems that you seem to be testing. Can you just go through why, the, why have you added these and do you think the logistics system is overcomplicated for new players? I think there's a category of players that doesn't find it fun to to learn how to use the current systems. So the, basically, there's there's two flags you can toggle at the moment. There's a flag that just gives you more logistical points and range. Uh, it sort of doubles it, and for, otherwise the systems stay the same. Honestly, compared to the beginning of Shadow Empire, the, the addition of the pool point system already makes it possible to play for a really long time without actually understanding how it really works. And I'm testing like a, a mid-core logistics option, which is basically meant to be less hardcore. And what that one does is it, you know, because what, what, what's diff difficult for most people to wrap their heads around is that sort of the, 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 the logistical points 
uh, they have to be guided over specific roads. And this guiding process can either be done automatically by pull points or by using traffic lights. And, and, and often there, you know, they, they, they don't manage to wrap their head around it. So the idea of the mid-core option is uh, logistical points, they, they don't really branch uh, in different directions over roads. They're just everywhere that's in reach. And the moment you actually use them, they disappear everywhere, which... Gameplay wise, not gameplay wise, like like effect wise, it, it doesn't change anything. It's just it does it the other way around, and it would also be a system that would be more comprehensible for the day I can teach the AI to actually use logistics, which has been a long-standing request of quite a vocal minority. But I didn't have that much feedback on the mid-core logistics yet. I have to say so. And actually teaching the AI to use that one is, is quite well, a big One thing I find with the logistics is that it has become more intuitive over, over time. Like it's certainly easier than what it was at the start. Uh, and also I think that I think the people who really struggle with it are, are the ones who want to take it right to the edge before they then start to improve it. And I think if, you, if people just have a bit of a rule of thumb of, of, of just basically having double what they need, it's sort of, it doesn't really get in the way of, like it doesn't, like I'm, I'm noticing I'm not really stopping to, to think about the logistics much until I get sort of, you know, a fair way into the game. And I like that. Like it's, I like the logistics system anyway, to be honest. I think it's a great system. As you say, with the pull points, that really does improve it. And the traffic lights, once you get used to using those as well, it's not, it's not difficult or onerous to make use of that. But I th- the one thing I do get with comments again from other viewers is that they essentially just wait and wait and wait until until everything's turned to black. <laughs> I wonder if there's a rather than actually changing the system, I wonder if there's a way that there's um, like a notice could come up for the player when their logistics system is starting to get under strain. That that may be helpful so that they know to start to invest in in, in logistics. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm quite an experienced Shadow Empire player, I think, and I. While I love the logistics system, I don't use the mid-core. I don't use the easiest systems. I love it because I think it's so engaging. And, you know, wars are won and lost on logistics. And Shadow Empire is one of the only games that really models that very well, in my opinion. There are some other war games that have very good logistics systems, but Shadow Empire is the best for me. However, I don't agree with you, Daz, that it's easier now than it was when it first started. I think while the pull system is good, the way that it interacts with the traffic like system, I still find it so confusing. And, you know, like you're really kind of supposed to be able to play with the pool system without using the traffic lights. Yeah, I can't get that effect. Like I have to use the traffic lights as well. So it, either I'm just not understanding how those two systems interact well, or I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm pretty good at the logistics now. Like my, my attitude with logistics in Shadow Empire is make sure you plan for logistics and you do that first <laughs> because you if you like you say if you leave it till everything's bottlenecked you're going to lose <laughs> you're going to you're going to have starvation but i i think that with the three i think with three systems in there now it's my one kind of gripe about the game really is that i feel that it's a little it's too complex now for new players because you've got you've got not just one system that you got to learn now you've got three well actually if ben if i can sorry if i can just interrupt there and and maybe just make one little suggestion uh, for that aspect and that is to with the traffic light system is to have the pull points by default not apply to the traffic system and you have to actually turn them on rather than off that would then yeah, make yeah, it much much more intuitive it definitely works like that definitely yeah I, I still run into issues but i've got to say that the big issues that i used to have with it i haven't seen and i think some of them probably were bug based and the other ones is just vic has just taken the time to very kindly explain to me how it works because <laughs> i couldn't get it at first <laughs> 
I have actually had a small problem with the pool system where uh, I've set it to pool and then like set it to a hundred percent block. But for some reason, I'm getting uh, stuff being pulled where I can't figure out why it's being pulled. I don't know whether it's because I've got too much high truck stations. It's just allowing a lot through. But I don't know. It's just rather <laughs> it, that, that has sort of stumped me. And I don't know whether it's fixed in the newer patch because I'm this is actually in a multiplayer game. I've had it where there wasn't a bunch of troops or infrastructure. There might have been like one mine, and yet there was like a thousand points going through to it, and I couldn't work it out. Uh, I would have to see the actual save file to help you. <laughs> Uh, but I think it proves the point that uh, it's, it's not the it's definitely not the easiest part of the game, right? So to come back to the original question, like what would you have done differently? Well, I, I probably would have designed the logistics system a bit differently. And I'm still trying now to with the mid-core uh, logistics uh, version that would basically supersede all the other two systems if you choose to to use that that version. And the mid-core version would basically be much easier to wrap your head around because it would just go everywhere the logistical points and once they get used uh, they disappear everywhere uh, as well so that would in, in my opinion would i don't know if anybody of you actually tried to use the mid-core logistics option i've only tried the automatic i didn't try the mid-core one Right. I like it. I like it hard, actually. So I, I would never, I would never turn that on. I, I, I do, I do like the hard system. I'm the same. I like, I now that I've kind of got my head around it, and I'm, I'm, be, I'm better with it. I actually like the original. I like the original system best mixed with the pool system. I think it's, it's just so engaging and fun. Like I really, really enjoy that part of the game. So I probably wouldn't really choose the mid-core unless... And maybe if I was playing a multiplayer game, because the one time that it really did bite me in the ass was during a multiplayer game. But I th- again, I think that was my misunderstanding of how it worked more than anything. All right. Uh, okay, so let's. I'd like to talk about the roadmap a little bit, Vic. Um, how how far into your your updated roadmap? Because a few, about a month ago, you updated your long term plan because of your your incoming family. Uh, you know, fa- uh, you know, increasing the size of your family. Let's say uh, you've kind of like re- readjusted some of the long term sketch that you came out with for Shadow Empires Development, and just. I'm just going to make this clear, by the way, this, as a disclaimer, Vic's always been really, really careful to say this is a plan. It's not like a promise. Okay, it's not. It's not a you know a dedicated roadmap that he's going to stick to. It's it is a, a you know a rough idea of where he's going with the game. Where what are you working on now, Vic? And what what is it? You, what's in your mind with Shadow Empire as you as you work? But basically, it's two things. I, I got a list of like 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 small stuff I want to fix or improve upon. It's basically like. Uh, stuff requested by by the community and i'm working on the advanced politics uh feature which in the previous plan you know would be a dlc all by itself including some other features and i sort of pulled that plan apart and said like let's pause dlcs for the moment uh, never say never but let's just go one 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 big feature at a time to make it actually easier uh, for me to to progress and to release new content uh, more often uh, especially with you know my personal life this year is going to be a bit going to be a bit tight on time so i felt like it's better to you know release a, a really good feature or two like this year instead of like saying like well there's absolutely nothing 
and maybe somewhere summer 2025 a new, new DLC will be finished. So to come back to the to the question, I already answered at the beginning, but I, I'm working on the advanced politics uh, feature at the moment. Are you allowed to talk about any of that stuff yet? Yeah, sure. There's no the game has already been released. It's a long time. Everything sure. is on, on on my on my plan already. It's posted on the internet. So I think the the advanced politics one was the the, the little block in the top of the list anyway. So. Actually, Vic, you've got that down as Republica in version 1.3. Is that going to be a DLC or is that going to actually just be uh, an update? Well, you just answered this. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I, I, I did. But the idea here is to, to, to do no DLC for, for some time here and just release new features like uh, one at a time instead of saving up like multiple features and, and then packaging them and then doing a DLC because I feel it would take too much time to do that. And it would not be good for, for for you guys, for the players, for the community to have development breaks from their perspective that are too long. Well, that's great to hear that you're you're so customer focused in that respect. Then, because I would, it would be quite easy for you to go, you know, right? I, I, I want to make some money, so I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, people can wait. The thing is, I guess, is that when the game doesn't change that much over a course of you know, if it's going to be years, often you're going to get a big drop off with players. So I think it kind of makes sense in terms of the long-term development of the game to to do that. I mean, that's very kind of you to do that, really. Because we've paid for a full game, and like, I know, Daz and I have disagreed on this, but I see Shadow Empire as a finished game, okay? Anything that you're adding now is just an extra, right? That's the way I see it. And I think that, you know, to to keep the game going for this long with free content after the original release is really, really good. Well, as long as there's, you know, a certain level of continued sales, I, I like to keep putting energy in this game. You know, it's not the only project that I have on my desk, but uh, I, I love the game. And honestly, the, just the idea of, you know, redoing a game like this, it's almost unthinkable because it would be so much work if you would start from scratch again to make a game that gets to the complexity uh, and intricacy where we are today. I play mostly multiplayer game. I'm currently in two games at the moment. So I'm always like a couple patches behind. And whenever I start a new multiplayer game, it's like I just get all these features thrown at me. It's like, wow. <laughs> I'm surprised how much work you're actually still putting into this game after such time. And while I was disappointed that there wasn't a DLC, I'm just so happy that you've actually still patching. And I kind of want a dlc just so i can give you some <laughs> money for all these updates you do <laughs> it, 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 it did cross my mind to say okay maybe i should do like a small dlc that's basically just you know a disguised uh, request for a cup of coffee you know like a dlc that makes clear it's like it doesn't bring anything big but hey if you got like i don't know like a few bucks to spare by it anyway could be an option at some time but you know for the moment i'm good I like to to work on the game, and, and eventually I would like to get it to like an official gold status at some point, which could be a point where maybe I could finally, you know, one thing I like to do is to get a printed manual for the game. <laughs> That's one of the things I like to get it to gold. That we could make like a huge manual printed in book form. It's something I like to do. Maybe you revise all the graphics, give it a, like a final gloss over, but. Before that, I want some stuff to still be in there, and, and that includes especially politics and, and navy, and finally get a, getting a logistics system that's also playable by, by more mid-core players. 
So Vic, on the topic of the politics system you're bringing in, I'm really curious, uh, this advanced politics, what's going to be in there? Have you? How far are you into that? And can you, can you let us know, like, how is that going to look in, when that update drops? Well, it's going to be a sizable system. We already discussed a little bit about it, the previous podcast, I think. I, I, I did all the design on paper, so I have to get to actually coding it now. Basically, it does a couple of things at the same time. I, I like to do it that way. There's, there's many things I want to do. And if I can find something that does multiple things at the same time, that's great. Uh, so in no particular order, it would basically address snowballing, finally, in the sense that uh, we'll have this attribute called Virtus, which represents the, the intangible life force of a culture, the, the faith of your people in each other. Uh, their virtue and their readiness to sacrifice themselves for the common good. And this, if this virtue is high, everything is, is okay. But the idea is that if things go good for you for too long a time, like the virtue goes down and that will have consequences, especially for your military, in the sense that things are going good, people will start to become a bit decadent and maybe less less eager to go to a trench to die because they have a good life at home, right? And at this point, like your recruitment levels would go down, you know, morale of the soldiers would be more sensitive to to go, go down. There will be other types of issues. And, and that would basically act as sort of like a anti-snowball mechanism where if Virtus goes down, your your military is going to get into problems, uh, and, and there, the politics come in as well, where if you want to get the virtues up again, the, the best way to do it is to, to change your, your political system, to have a, either a voluntary change that re-excites the nation, or uh, maybe a revolution against or with your consent, and, 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 or another option, which is to, we can go in there later, but there's, there's also a third option to go in a in a different direction politically speaking like for example like if you're playing a democracy if virtus goes down it sort of becomes a, a decadent democracy and all the political leaders they no longer really you know care about the common good they just care about getting elected and they will promise whatever and they will put proposals for laws in place that just burden your empire or your your democratic empire in this case. And at some point you could say like, okay, we, time to change the system. Let's let's have a, maybe a, a military coup. Or you could say let's double down on, on democracy. And for example, in the case of democracy, you could embrace the, the, the shining path of the syndics where you actually say like, let's go even further. We have to ensure equality, equality for everybody. And we're going to install a syndic computer to to help run things. And so there's always the option that you say, like, if you don't want to switch the system, you could go even deeper uh, into the system to extreme uh, extreme levels. Now that sounds really cool. I'm I'm going to ask ask a question of my buddy Daz here. Uh, Daz, how do you feel about that? Because I I know that you're the sort of player that when you when you start snowballing, you kind of want the game to end. Oh, how how are you feeling about the the possibility of the game having this sort of balancing mechanism, you know, through gameplay mechanics that kind of draws the game out longer like that? What do you think? 
I don't know if, if it's going to draw the game out, then uh, particularly if you, as you say, when you are snowballing, you want to get it over and done with as fast as possible. And um, if it does do that, then yeah, I, would, I wouldn't like it. But I like what I'm hearing. Like it's a, It certainly sounds interesting, like they're having a decadence. But, I, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this going to be another complexity that's going to make it more difficult, more barriers to, uh, to for entry for, for players to get into the game? But it sounds like it's just going to be th- th- essentially through osmosis and um, – and I'm guessing it may make the profiles more important, which uh, is a good thing. So I think that there is certainly going to be, like if, if the player has got the ability to push the direction into different areas and there's benefit in the profile system, I think that could be really quite cool and good. But, yeah, it would concern me if it was if it was there to uh, hinder larger empires. So that would be something that I would be um, a little bit concerned about. Um, but that would be, it's not a major concern of mine. Right, I want to move on to the uh, Navy. Obviously, with Oceania, we had uh, the maritime trading houses, and it was very um, contentious with the community. A lot of people were sort of expecting to be able to have naval units and stuff like that, and you do have naval units in your roadmap, which I'm I'm a little bit worried about, and... I kind of agreed the way you did Oceania because I think you have to be really careful on letting players have full control of the sea and unbridled movement across the sea. I could see that being a lot of problems, especially in multiplayer games. What what, what are your general ideas and how did you feel about the reaction from people or maybe misunderstanding of how Oceania was going to play? I understand the complaints. Uh, I've tried to do my best to market it as like, you know, this DLC brings ocean planets. And to really stress, we even put, I even insisted that they put on the product page, like this DLC does not include Navy units. But still a lot of people were disappointed. And I, I hear them. And that's that's why it is on my to-do list. And I did this arrive at the conclusion on how to do it. I just have to find the time to actually do it. And basically it's the thing, I want to do something else first, like that will be advanced politics because I haven't worked on those systems for like a long, long time. I've been doing a lot of nitty gritty with like the the more military aspects of the game. I I would like to flesh out politics first, but after that I should get to Navy. And I, I did over the years, I think I finally fleshed out a system that I think will do the job. Um, which would basically be a, 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 a sort of like a WeGo system where the players in their turns, they give the orders to their to their fleets. And then at the end or the beginning of the round, everything gets calculated. Battles are fought in seas, just like land battles. A report of it will be saved for inspection in the respective players' turns. There will be like holding boxes in sea zones, ports, and I also like to do like unique capital ships where like each capital ship can have its own name and, and like probably even like a, a, like damage points. And last but not least, uh, I would also like once the players have like actual Navy units to also have uh, units for the MTH, uh, for the trading houses, the maritime trading houses on the map that could actually act also as uh, aggressors, uh, especially if they have a chance to, to stop the player developing a navy still. It sounds really cool, actually. So, would the um, and I know that one of the problems that you actually were trying to overcome uh, with naval forces was the 
area that the navy uh, that the navy like it's not just a hex by hex type arrangement is like with that system if you have a wego type system would they essentially be patrolling like large hex groups uh, as they sort of move through through the oceans or would they be uh, how, how have you sort of tackled that aspect well basically there's already sea zones right so basically they would function as as sort of like a fleet is either in in, in sea zone one or two or three or in a port now, every sea zone consists of many hexes and probably like the algorithms if for example multiple fleets of players that are at war with each other in the same sea zone it will calculate where and which parts of their fleet would actually engage each other uh, and on which hex. And there they would fight this battle. And depending on the hex, there might also be, for example, coastal artillery support or, or, or aircraft support from, from, the, from the land or from uh, aircraft carriers. Would that give the player uh, the ability, though, to be able to, um, uh, like, you know, for example, choke points uh, in certain like straits and st- things like that? The, would the player end up being able to focus on specific areas, like even like besieging, or you know, sort of like essentially besieging a port, uh, or sort of you know trying to sort of control the supply going into a port? If it's only just by sea, sea, bone, sea zone by sea zone, is that going to be enough for the player? I, I would like to uh, add some mechanisms to allow for some fine finer strategy for example the i hope to add something where like the the player will be able for example for a certain fleet to set a focus point on an actual hex it's already necessary by the way to you know do do amphibious invasions they would you would have to check a specific hex where you want to actually execute this 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 uh, amphibious invasion and the same with like uh, choke points, for example, you could say like, yeah, this fleet is going to focus on, on on the area around this hex, and so it will be harder for enemy ships to move through there. They would, if the enemy ships would try to get through, there will be a battle, depending on other standing orders, right? Because maybe because it's we go, I would have to provide for a lot of standing orders in the sense that you tell in advance how your fleet is going to react to certain conditions, like for example. You can tell your fleet not to engage if the enemy is, for example, much larger. Or you could tell your artillery to act as coastal artillery if enemy ships are near. Same for aircraft. Mm. And then it would basically the game would sort of, you know, play without you uh, how the fleets actually move and what they do. And there will be battles. And it's actually a way to have a, a little bit of we go in, in what's otherwise an I go, you go system. That sounds incredibly good, actually. I've got to say that's um, that really does sound amazing. It's sort of yep, it's funny because different people have different ideas, but that really does seem to sort of uh, you know it sort of fits it fits everyone. Like I think everyone would be happy with that sort of system. I hope so as well because I I don't necessarily need loads and loads of more counters to push around in a game that's already got tons of counters. So the idea of it being do, done with sea zones. But having, you know, being able to focus on strategic missions in certain areas, I love that idea because that gives that gives you some, you know, that gives the player agency in the Navy system. But it also, it doesn't mean I've got to, you know, manually load, you know, troops onto ships and all that stuff in 4X that I never really enjoyed. So I think that sounds really, really good to me. Yeah, the idea is like, for example, you know, the loading and unloading of units that will not happen. You know, you will give your cargo fleet the order to establish a logistical line towards a certain beach or port 
and that will create a log logistical link just like the MTH contracts do right now. And then you can just strategically transfer your troops over. There might be a damage percentage or something to that, you know, if, if they get, if this cargo fleet is being harassed, for example, by enemy submarines, then some of these ships might sink, right? Or, or get damaged. So it would mean, for example, you would end up, if it's a harassed uh, cargo fleet, then maybe you would end up with like 20% damage on, the, on this logistical connection, which would mean if you transfer troops over it, you would lose... 20% of the troops. It's not perfect, you know, because you know in advance how many you're going to lose. Uh, that kind of answers my question, because I was going to ask, how does uh, Navy logistics then work and how can they be harassed? But you've, you've kind of answered that, so yeah. The, the only thing I don't like is that you, 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 you know this, this is something that doesn't happen in reality, you know, the troops are actually on the ships. You first establish the logistical link, and then you send the troops over. So it's a bit of a compromise to to keep the game playable and and sort of consistent with the rest of its systems. We already did that for the air bridges as well. There, you know, you 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 lose aircraft, and then it puts a damage percentage on the actual link, the logistical link. And then if you transfer troops through it, they lose about that percentage. And it's a bit gamey, maybe, but. Honestly, if I would have to do it realistic, completely realistically, then yeah, you would have to load all your units on on ships and and then see what happens. Uh, Vic, I just want to go to another part of the Republica uh, 1.3 update that you're planning, and this is the section on advanced trade. I'm really interested in this. Like it's saying here, so in your in your rough plan, it says more items to integrate with the luxury luxury consumption rules. How, what does that look like? Do you think how 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 are you planning on doing that? I'm still quite vague on that, to be honest. Uh, but I have, a, I, have a, I have a few. A few objectives on the horizon there. And one thing I would really like to see is that like every planet has something. For example, if a planet has like alien agriculture that's possible, that there might be some actually named plants or seeds or fruits that could have some special, special value and they, that they would be procedurally generated so that every game has some unique items. Every game you play, there's something, something new. That's one of the things I would like to, to have. And the other thing I would like to have is the ability to maybe trade also equipment. But I still have to look into that a bit, how to actually make that function. But I think it could be nice to be able to sell, like, for example, your tanks to the traders and another player might actually buy them up or a miner. I'd be actually interested in maybe having like it's got luxury goods here. Maybe it could be based on like your empire's profile. So if you're a very, you know, decadent empire, then maybe your your citizens want a certain type of alcohol or maybe maybe another sort of um profile. Maybe uh, you just uh, subdue your citizens with drugs and stuff like that. I think that could be quite interesting actually. Yeah, I, I just have to find a balance between what, what would be really cool to have and and, and not going overboard completely either, uh, like um, scope uh, scope wise. Vic, I've got a quick question just about the existing trade, you know, the trade system diplomacy. Do the do your AI opponents value it if you're trading with them? Like, do, will they take that into account when they make things like war declarations? If you've got a strong trading agreement with them already, I think. 
at the moment, the AI is really focused on, you know, there's, there's two systems that target the AI, like it's the, the, sort of like the role-playing part where uh, the political faction that's in power is taken into account and like what their outlook is on on life and war. And for example, like a militaristic AI, you know, he's, he basically just doesn't care about anything except conquering the whole planet, while Republican AI would actually probably be often be happy to stay at peace keeps an eye on wanting to conquer the planet, but it would be less important for him. Uh, and on the other side, it makes like, the AI makes an analysis of if it thinks it could actually win a war against you, taking all everything into account that it's playing at the same time, like it's other enemies, people who might invade it at the same time. And those are the two main factors that decide if the AI goes to war with you. And I think that the only effect of the trade pact uh, whatever which level it is, is that every time you make a pact, like the relation level goes up. But it, it's not, the AI is not like taking into account, oh, I have already trade level three and I'm not going to go to war. No. But that could be something to, you know, maybe look into it, advanced trading and stuff. If it actually has a big benefit in keeping trade up with you, could be a reason not to go to war. Um, before you go, I, uh, there is one thing that's intriguing me on this roadmap. I'm, I'm skipping over a bit, but right on the uh, right top-hand side, you've got Shadow Legion and Starfire. Are those DLC or those new games? <laughs> what are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a teaser, <laughs> right? No, I got, I got, I got some plans there, but uh, that, that's just a teaser. The, the idea is like after gold, like at some point. It, it's not impossible that at some distant point in the future, uh, you know, uh, I would have to do something else. I would like to go to space at some point. Uh, so that's like Starfire. It sort of it, it represents my desire to bring a game, this game or a game like this, to a multi-planet universe. And the Shadow Legion is like another thing that I would like to do is like to have more sense of. More tactical battles, I guess, or less high skill, more more close up and personal, where you can actually see an agrodome on a hex, for example, instead of a two hundred by two hundred kilometer hex, where you would have a lower skill. So that's two 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 they're, they're two working titles for other games that would continue like the the, the Shadow Universe after uh, a gold version, but they're they're just daydreams, I guess, at the moment. Yeah, because I, I I was wondering, are you planning more games like this? Because you've got your uh, normal war game series, which you've done. Was it like three or four of them now? I yeah, guess Advance uh, Gold was kind of shed, like Shadow Empire. Are you interested in making more games like Shadow Empire in the future? I, I guess I am. Uh, I do have those daydreams there. So yeah, I guess. It's just, it's, it's really future, future. So e even, you know, with my disclaimers about plans, I'm not going to go in details on them because it's really too far or over the horizon to, to, to say anything yet. But I would like to, yeah. Right, guys, I guess we should wrap up. Vic, thank you so much for coming and taking some time to talk to us about Shadow Empire again because, you know, it's, it's always good to catch up with you and, and have a bit of a chat and just kind of see where it is that you're going with the game. Well, it's my pleasure. You can always give me a call. But uh, wait uh, maybe uh, about six weeks. 
<laughs> and uh, thanks Drexy and Daz Tactic for coming and joining us today. Oh, thanks again. Look, I always enjoy doing these and um, it's always great to hear fixed plans. It's sort of, uh, uh, I feel really, really comfortable with that, with what you're talking about with the Navy, to be honest. That that's, it really does sound like it's a, a great, great solution. I know that it was something that you were sort of uh, trying to, um, to to think through, at, at, like at one point, trying to find the best system. And this it really does sound like a, a best of all worlds type system to me. Is your mind at ease now, Daz? Because I know that you've been worried about this. Yeah, because I, I, I'm one of the people who did who was really thinking that the Oceania world should have come with some sort of naval forces that you controlled, and um, uh, that for me it really does sound amazingly good uh, to be able to have um, like to be able to doing it in that sort of WeGo type system where it's not onerous, but you still actually got as you said before, you have got agency over what you do, you've got focal points, um, things like that. I think that, that really does sound incredibly good for when that one does come. Yeah, I'm pumped for that as well. Like, I, I, I could have taken a leave in the Navy stuff originally, but now I've heard about the plans for it. I'm like, actually, that sounds really, really cool. Definitely fits into the simulation kind of vibe of, of Shadow Empire, but giving the player agency to is, is really, really good. Thanks, Vic. It's my pleasure. Okay, guys. Well, this was Ben, Daz, Drexy, and Vic for Explominate. Thank you very much, and I'll catch you next time. Keep exploring, guys.